at the end when they were like turn off your notifications i was like damn yeah and i went and turned off like notifications from like eight of the apps that i could notify because every morning i wake up with notifications to to shit that i don't want to know welcome back to i'm the villain so today we had actually a really different format of, of episode. This For this episode, we actually all collectively watched a documentary. Um, and the documentary is called The Social Dilemma, right? And uh, we watched it with our friend Hanyu, who I thought was particularly relevant to this because he's this is really relevant to a lot of the research that he's doing in grad school. Um, and so let me just give the reason why I thought, you know, this was a very relevant and kind of impactful documentary to watch to me. So a lot of what they were doing is they interviewed a lot of former social media executives um, who, you know, the the person who like invented the like button at Facebook, the person who invented infinite scroll, et cetera, et cetera, right? And they're talking about the various ways in which social media like basically hacks your psychology to like keep you looking at ads and like make them more money basically. And then they kind of draw this linkage between that and the dissemination of misinformation and kind of the media environment that we're in right now. Um, and like the, the, the rise of like fake news. Right. And they're trying to say that um, the rise in polarization and radicalization and kind of just populist movements around the world are really in large part due to, these algorithms because you know that's what keeps us scrolling more right is the sensationalist content you guys have have more to add on that synopsis um not really i think yeah i think you did a good job of it i mean i think the the finalized call to action of the doc and the people on the doc were that we need collective will to push for regulation on big tech that's using data mining um, because right now the, the incentive is to keep you on the platform to make them more money. And that isn't, that has to end in something bad yeah. for society at large. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the reason for me, the biggest takeaway was definitely this like notion that like, it's almost like they, they framed it in this very kind of like conspiracy theory <laughs> way, which which itself I think was funny because like it's 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 having this meta conversation about how conspiracy theories get propagated. But to me, it felt really personal, right? Because it is like kind of a this feels like this very intimate violation of, you know, them using all of this information and data that they have on you from like your entire life, right? To make money off of you and use you as a product. Right. Yeah. And I feel and, you know, the misinformation thing is obviously like I think something that we're I literally think is a lot of the reason why we have Trump as president, you know, and we're seeing a lot of this like, you know, xenophobic kind of populist movements across the world. And Hanyu, I know you. Yeah. What were your initial reactions? Oh, well, a lot of things. So first of all, I think in general, what this documentary doesn't do a good job of is distinguishing between the Internet mm -hmm. and like social media. Right, like to me, these are distinct things, right? But they kind of, um, they think of them like interchangeably. Um, and a lot of things that you can kind of blame on social media, you okay. might also blame on the internet, right? There's a lot, um, so like, like the example is I think of as like clickbait. So like clickbait 
when I think of clickbait, I think of like tiles yeah. that mean, like they, you want to click on, right? They're, they're designed to get you to click on, right? And why those are more popular, not just because of recommendation algorithms or social media platforms or whatever, but because mm -hmm. like they're written for you to get the click on, right? Like that's the case for a lot of things. Like for example, you know, they, they, when he gets a, the notification from his ex-girlfriend, right? It's like, of course, <laughs> like, you know, if Google, like a Facebook, like asked 500 engineers and paid them like a million dollars, like we need a machine learning model that tells us what will people click on? And the answer is, oh, people care about their ex-girlfriends. You know, that's like a yeah. huge, it was, <laughs> of course, it was we need on the right? nose, like, right? <laughs> yeah, but also you didn't need social media algorithms to tell you that people okay. care about their ex-girlfriends, right? Like that, that's something that like would have been the case in the internet also, right? So I think like, this is also, I think to my other point is that there's a lot of times where, so we like, you know, we have these fancy machine learning, learning algorithms, right. And they like, we don't know really how, like anything about, at all about them, right. Like as the document said, like even people at Facebook don't really know. So like, it's really hard to know what's going on. And we like can assume that they're optimized to do what Facebook wants it to do. Um, but it's also possible that these things don't, don't work very well at all. Right. So like, you know, if you're like, a, like one criticism we have of like academics, like social science academics as well, you know, you put all your data into model and it's like, oh, it doesn't really work very well. And it's hard to predict humans just from numbers. Well, like that's like, if that's true, why would we think that Facebook does this particularly well? Because right? Facebook so like, has access one to way more data about, than anyone else in the world. Yeah, so like I like I'm I'm pretty sure they do it very well, right? But like it's not surprising it's it's not surprising me that the people who like all these tech bros who built this mm -hmm. think that they did a good job, right? And when they have examples like oh, like you know like we know that like telling about your ex girlfriend is a way you get a lock on. It's like oh like this is like we knew this already, right? Like it's not clear to me that you needed to build a fancy recommendation platform. To do that. Okay. Yeah, but I, I think that, that, yes, you know, a lot of the stuff, you know, obviously we are humans and we interact with our humans. So a lot of the stuff is obvious to us. Right. But I do think the, the point that they're trying to make is that they can do that on such a mass level. Right. And and I think the, the thing that they're trying to point out is not necessarily that, you know, oh, like content about your ex-girlfriend is going to get you to click on it. I think the more the more pertinent piece of information that they're giving you is that radical content and sensationalist content and like Trump tweets will get you to click on it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So that's a whole that's a whole note. So this is a whole note. That's okay, to me the most important like, so part of it. This is a different thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I feel more comfortable talking about this also. So okay. So the way I think about it, which is maybe not the right way of thinking about it. So, okay, so another thing that this documentary does, it talks about extreme content and it says, okay, more extreme content, therefore polarization. Right? Oh, actually, actually, sorry, hold on. Let's, 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 before we do that, let's think of, like, talk about fake news, right? So I, to me, it seems very clear that social media and the, well, social media and the internet in general, like definitely incentivizes things you want to click on. And a lot of those things we click on are not true, right? To me, it's unclear, again, like imagine you just lived in a world with like, like message boards and there was no algorithms and like there's this very decentralized um, like internet, like there's no one was on Facebook. In this case, the internet would also like help people find, like if you're a KKK member, it would also help you find the people that you like want to find, right? The key difference, right, is like 
the radicalization pipeline. Yeah, the fact that it's giving you this content about yeah, like flatter. I think, I think and, that's the biggest difference, right? right? It's like right. it's whether or not it's feeding to you or whether or not you have to look for it. Yes. Right, right. So to me, that yeah, I, I, to be to be precise, so that's the difference, right? It's people who wouldn't have otherwise. But at the same time, I think for now, it's like in a world with the internet, there also probably would be a lot more like radicalization as well, right? So like- Sure, but I think it's just the fact that like, um, there's a link between radicalizing content and these companies making money, right? If it was just decentralized and no one was making any money off of how long you stared at the screen, then there would be less incentive to make that happen. For sure, for right? sure. Like to me, it's it's true, or like I think it's true that like YouTube has an incentive, like incentivizes you to radicalize you, right? But what I'm saying is like, what do we think is like the normal level of like radicalization in society that would be like without internet, with internet, and with social media? And to me, like, there's a different, but it's not like, I wouldn't say like, oh, all the radicalization in our society is because of social media. So does that make sense? Sure. So part two, right, which is, this is, and this is, I really, this, I find bananas, is that like, the movie is also conflating, like, oh, all the polarization in our society with social media, which to me is. I don't think that they're saying all of it. I don't think they're, I, I, they're I like, definitely oh, don't Europe think is crumbling, to... like, Europe is crumbling, far left, far right, far left. Sure, sure, sure. Are they're, they're, I think they are, to me, they were just drawing a direct line as opposed to saying all of this yeah. is because and, of and yeah. also i think but, that so, like i don't think it claimed that polarization is because of me or social media but i mean like and i don't know how they you know how they based that graph that they showed on on the movie of like where you know where kind of people's opinions landed in terms of like the, the political spectrum and polarization oh that's like a re- actually that that um chart is um, the DW nominate scores. Like, so both Hanyu and I like studied this. Actually, Hanyu, I don't know if you're in that American class, but this is something that like, you know, political science st- to study all the time. It's like the classic metric of how to tell, you know, whether right. it's like very yeah, reputable so, so my point in is terms that, of a metric. You know, polarization did increase because of social media, right? Like, and it seems like the reason that that happened is because people, you know, people consume content more when it's being fed to them or when it's being like piped to them in a way that like, in a way that like, you know, it's, it's sensational, it's sensationalist and like it's feeding kind of their own, their own already existing thought patterns. Right. Like, yeah. And like, and, and all of this is just because those things are what keep you on the, on the platform longer. Right. To me though, if you were like writing down a list, it's like, Oh, why do we have polarization in America? Social media would not crack the top five. Like maybe in the top ten. For me, it would definitely crack. The really, top it would. I would absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about. Yeah. It. I mean, we can, I mean, I'm sure we can think of other things right now. Because how do you, you know, like, why we have polarization? What right? is like, the reason that you even know about like the full the full scope of what people can think, right? Like, well, okay, so number one, like, what's the what's the top producer of fake news in our country right now? Right, it's like Fox News, right, or it's Donald Trump, right? These are like traditional mainstream sources, right? Fox News has done a lot more damage or like more polarization at least than like Twitter or Facebook, right? And maybe, oh, like Fox News is on. I don't know if that's true. I well, think, I, think, I don't know if I, think I believe it's that. The combo. I think it's the fact that you can consume on Fox News and then you can move to platforms like Facebook or Twitter that will then feed you more Fox News content or more of the content. Yeah, but you were watching Fox News in the first place. So like, Isabel, to your point, lot people spend much more time watching TV news than they do on social media. I have a graph here that I pulled up, actually. Yeah, because, like, I... Well, A, I think, like, you know, 
okay, there, I, you know, like there's definitely like places where like people still just leave the TV on all the time, right? But I think that, you know, just like in sheer number of hours, we still spend like hours and hours of our days on social media. I mean, this is definitely different across demographic, like age groups specifically, right? But I do think there is an element to me that's different about social media. I think you're more likely to feel that this information is credible if it's being shared by someone that you know personally, as opposed to like some talking heads on the television. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. But, it's, definitely, like, it's definitely not a whole other thing, though. Like, I don't think well, it's a whole other thing. Okay, okay, so here's the thing, Ben. So, okay, so say live in a world without social media, without like internet at all, right? And it's like, oh, there's... Okay, say we just have no social media. We just like kind of hang out and talk to each other, right? Because of the way human society works, most of our friends are going to be like us regardless, right? That increases polarization. There's a baseline, non-internet bias towards door ties towards polarization. The filter bubble is definitely real, but you don't need algorithms or the internet to have a filter bubble or the echo chamber. I don't know. I mean, like, I think that there's, I think there's also merit in like being a participant in a society that just by nature of it being a society has people that are different from you. Like, I think that in my real life, especially like growing up as a kid, I'm certainly, I certainly came across and encountered more people that thought differently than I do on the internet. If I, if I, you know, I could very easily, like I can much more easily maintain my echo chamber electronically than it is for me. If I actually want to go out and run the world and like talk to people. Yeah. I mean, that might be, that might, I'm like, I, well, so, okay, there's a lot. So is it normative to have more people who are friends with different people than people who are like the same? Oh, like, that's like a, that's sure a that, question. Sure that most people are yeah, yeah, yeah. people that are like them. But I think that still the difference is that in real life, there's no arbiter of something that's curating content for you and pushing you, like intentionally pushing you content. There's no like... There's no like overarching yeah. thing. The scary part is the intention. But what I'm trying to say is like the baseline level for polarization is high. Just because not, of the way human probably not as high. Well, that's a question. I mean, but like we like Well, look, we we definitely know that it has been rising. But before social media, right? right? In conjunction with social media. Yes, before social media, right? It was, you know, the KKK existed. Well, right? no, I'm talking about just like early 2000s. Right. Like I think okay. like I don't I wouldn't have a graph on me, but like I think you can like position is a huge deal now that it wasn't maybe like before, but it's a classic correlation causation thing. Right. And I think like we can think of compelling other ideas that explain high levels of correlation in society now. Sure. But that doesn't make this not also a compelling yeah, 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 yeah. reason why this is an accelerator. Yeah, for sure. Right. But for me, again, like it's not my top five. OK, well, so what's your top five? Oh, yeah. What's your top well, five? Man. So one is like geographic and rural sh like sorting you guys have maybe heard of this right like people don't live next to like people don't live next to their cross partisans anymore yeah. there's been a huge sort in the last couple of years right the second night thing might be like uh fake news or like sorry fox news right fox news is television oh yeah but fox news uniquely being a bad actor like just really being evil. you're just saying fox news by itself would be one of your top five maybe like number five yeah i mean let me think well, that's also let me think okay. partisan opinion by the way <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm sure that um, many people including including but not limited to me would say that cnn is almost as bad of an actor okay well that's all not <laughs> the, the, other, the other things i would i would think of is um like social like uh a lot of issues in the united states are highly polarized by race and um religion 
and have highly moral overtones, right? So like abortion, for example, right? Like it's it's this very moral argument where like if you don't agree with me, um, like you're bad, a bad person, right? A lot of the political arguments in the United States are like that. This is like a political. This is not really my thing. Um, there's a I think a, the nationalization of American politics. There's a 5:30 article about negative partisanship the other day, right? Nationalization. It used to be that cross ballot uh, voting was a lot more common, right? Like the way you felt about your senator wasn't necessarily the same thing about the, you feel the way about um, the president. Like, I think there's large racial elements that also like can explain polarization. Like this is a whole. This is a whole. But, okay, so there's a, there's a difference I think between a lot of the things you're bringing up are just like here are some issues, right? Religion is an issue. Race is an issue, right? We're talking about vectors, right? How do these specific issues get disseminated, right? And how does that influence people, right? Like a, like. I think regardless of like what the actual issue is itself, right, is like what is the mechanism? I think that's what we were talking about when we yeah, were talking issues, about like, what is the issues also matter. Place, issue, right? But issues also matter, right? So like the fact that like like a big cleavage in our political sphere is abortion and not like tax rates. I think that does like matter for polarization. Yeah. Regardless but, of how but I also is. think that like Isabel said, and I think a lot of the things that you say you, you mentioned are like, you know, racism has been around for a long time, right? Or like, and, or, you know, most of the, like most of the issues that you named have been around for a long time. So the, the question then becomes, why do we feel like today they're so, 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 so salient to the average human being? And I think a big answer, not, not the entire answer, but I think a big answer is that people are constantly being fed information, whether it be pro, like, you know, whether it be racist content, true content, you know, social justice content, whatever, people are constantly being fed information about um, that reinforces their own ideas and also demonizes the other side. I mean, that is true, but that's also de- definitely true about Fox News or about CNN yeah, or, or about, about mainstream about television. TV. Yes, but how many of those things are literally hacking your psychology? I mean, I'm sure TV also does its best to try to get you to stay on the channel, right? But, but it doesn't get that feedback, right, in real time. I mean, what, what's going on is like, what's scary about Facebook is it's like it has a lot of data and we like there's good reason to think it's very good at doing what it does. But television also does the same thing. But we can, without a doubt, say that it's very good at doing what it does. I mean, there's no way of knowing for sure, right? There actually sure. is like literally no way. They could just like not, they could just be lying to us about how well they're doing. But like, yeah, I mean, so for example, Facebook a lot <laughs> and you get. Like, you get a ton of content right. on Vox. You know, you get a ton, a ton of content in your timeline about Vox. And I do too. And, you know, Isabel may or may not. But, like, people that are Republicans probably don't get that content. Yeah. I mean, totally true. We could have, but also, like, we could be, like, conservatives right now. And we could be talking about, like, isn't it crazy that Facebook has such a conservative bias? Right? Like, it's ruining our country. You know, and we just, like, don't know. Right, like, there's no way of knowing. But we don't know what. We don't know whether it has a conservative bias or not. Or like, no, we do know actually, because my landlord works at Facebook. Um, she, ninety percent of the content shared on Facebook is conservative. That's not necessarily because like that. You're, I, I think what you're saying is like, do the people who work at no, Facebook no, no, no. have a I conservative mean, bias? Ninety-five percent of like the talk talk news radio is conservative, but that doesn't mean it's turning people think, who are. Think about the capacity for dissemination, right? Like. Yeah, there's yeah, no totally. way that the people that consume, like the number of people that are, are watching Fox News right now, can even begin to compare to the, to the uh, number of people well, that, are, that are using Facebook right now. Especially because, like, literally, Fox News is not like people in Myanmar are not watching Fox News, right? Well, so <laughs> it's just like not Myanmar's a different thing. So, I mean, I just, I, I I disagree. I think I think you're overrating how many people how much people spend on Fox News. 
So this is... But, like, I still think that that's a, a much smaller population of people compared to the people who are being fed information on Facebook. Like, we can just look that up. That's a know, very easy so. So just, to fact check statistic. Well, so the number... So, okay, so if we're talking about... There's two things. There's kind of, like, extreme, like, I'm going to go Pizzagate someone. To me, like, that's different. But we're talking about, like... The, if we're talking about like how much time do people spend watching Fox News versus how much time do people spend on Facebook, I'll bet you anything you want that people spend more time on Fox News. What? Okay, are you talking about per capita or are you talking about in aggregate? Like for one person, you know what I'm saying? Like obviously, because obviously like in aggregate, there's so many more people on Facebook that that, that like in aggregate, that can't possibly be true. Yeah, I mean, it literally right? can't be true. So there's literally in no way that what you're saying. Oh, is I think the average you. American watches watches Fox News more than 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 they are on Facebook, or like the average American watches more TV than they're on Facebook. Okay, but I think that's just patently wrong. All right, give me like give me like two seconds. I definitely watch more. TV. Literally, let's just Google. I, def- I definitely watch more TV than I consume Facebook, but also there's a difference between watching TV and watching Fox News, and like cable access. Like I'm sure that. Oh man. Like there's there's just like literal dissemination differences here well okay let's so there's a little a graph that flashed across my twitter feed just the other day mm, and it was fed to you <laughs> wait wait so okay so i'm looking up how many people watch fox news right it says fox news primetime viewers are less than one percent of the population i mean I'm, my, my thing is about hours not a right? number of people okay uh, i don't I, understand I how that's useful i will also say then. that before we even get into like how people like what we think is more destructive. I think that these are almost like completely different beasts. Like, I yeah, like they're not really apples. They're kind of apple I think and that, like, I know that. I mean, I hate Fox News just as much as you do, honey. But, but I think that Fox News is a you know is a vector for extremely conservative ideals. Facebook is a vector for whatever ideal keeps you on the site more, and I think that is more dangerous. Yeah, I, I so I think I think that's I think everything you said is true. To me, like like again, like this is like the polarization versus uh, the polarization versus extremism thing. I mean, the question is just like whether you think like how scary do you think like I mean how good do you think they are doing it? Well, I just I just I just shot you guys a paper. Okay, so I'm just gonna read it out loud. Is okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fake news, broadly defined as deliberately false or misleading information masquerading as legitimate news, is frequently asserted to be pervasive on the web and on social media in particular, with serious consequences for public opinion, political polarization, and ultimately just democracy. Using a unique multi-mode data set that comprises a nationally representative sample of mobile, desktop, and television consumption across all categories of media content, we refute this conventional wisdom on three levels. First, News consumption of, of any sort is heavily outweighed by other forms of media consumption, compromising comprising at most 14.2% of Americans' daily media diets. Secondly, to the extent that Americans do consume news, it is overwhelmingly from television, which accounts for roughly five times as, as much as news as much news consumption as online, while a supermajority of Americans consume little or no news online at all. Third, Fake news comprises only about 1% of overall news consumption and 0.15% of Americans' daily media diet. Although consumption, consumption data alone cannot determine that, that online misinformation in any dose is not dangerous to, to democracy, our results suggest that our origins of public misinform, misinformedness and polarization are, like, are more likely to lie in the content of ordinary news. 
especially on television, or alternately in the avoidance of news altogether, as they are an overt fakery. Um, so my response to that is, one, I would be really interested in learning about how they measure consumption, all these things, right? Like, I mean, I'm a researcher, so like these are very normal things for me to wonder. I, I, I'm just wondering about like how they measure all these things. Well, my, okay, so my reaction is A, even if most people are not on social media, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, A, the people who are influenced by social media don't have an outsized effect on, you know, our political landscape, right? And B, that, you know, that the impact, like you're assuming that the impact of an hour's worth of TV and an hour's worth of social media consumption is the same, right? Whereas I think a lot of the the, the people in this uh, documentary were trying to make the case that it's not actually the same. It's so much more powerful. Like, uh, you know, an hour of social media is going to be way more impactful because it's catered to you than it's going to be than, you know, an hour of TV, yeah, but right? Which is trying to cater to like the, you know, like, as many people as possible. Yeah. So like, but when people say like, oh, Facebook is conservative because the top nine out of 10 top percent links are clicked on are conservative. We can say the same questions. Like are actually people reading those links, right? Are those people reading those links, people who like, are they changing their mind because they clicked on those links? Right? Like, like we can say it like, are they actually watching TV? Are they actually like kind of like getting the knowledge, you know, disseminating from reading the links, right? Like, is their behavior on Facebook like, better than like, or like more persuasive than an hour on Fox News. I mean, I don't know, like. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my mind, it doesn't even, okay, so you can you can have this argument around like, okay, what's more quote unquote, like, you know, impactful. And obviously there's so many factors to unpack and it's really hard to get down to like a definitive answer on that. For me, the value of this was more like, if you're just talking about like anecdotally, I feel like for me and basically everyone I know, they do get most of their information online. Would you both agree with well, that? Definitely, but clearly, <laughs> this is what right. I'm talking about, right? It's like there's baseline, like our social networks are very biased to provide people who are exactly like us. Sure, sure. But what I'm saying is that even if it's not relevant to most people, which I don't think is the case, right? Like it's still useful for your own, like you know, understanding oh, sure. of how so you know you're you're being. Fed. Oh, I mean, like if Facebook, even if right? like ten percent of people use Facebook, it's still a huge deal, right? Like it's still worth studying. Yes. exactly. I mean, like I think no, don't make it wrong. I think Facebook is a huge deal, but when we're talking about something like polarization, you know, which like we like can think of you know a gazillion things, it's really hard for me to think that Facebook cracks the top five. Okay, so, but, I don't, but, so this is the huge flaw in the Fox News argument, which is that, that that can only explain polarization on the right side. What about on the other side of politics? Polarization is like, there's a huge thing about like whether, like it's not necessarily a symmetrical thing. Like if you want to get into like more deep about it, right? Like it's not clear to me that there's like polarization is asymmetrical, right? Like, if we think Facebook is more conservative, it's not clear to me that it's symmetrical. On, it's symmetrical on Facebook. I, yeah, I mean, I know it's not. I know it's not symmetrical, but like, I don't. To, to me, it seems. Well, actually, when you look at the graph of DW nominate scores, it does look pretty symmetrical, right? It does look like the right is moving to the right, the left is moving to the left, right? And it's not like it's just affecting one yeah, side. Yeah, but does right? DW? It's never obviously going to be exactly perfectly symmetrical, but I actually do think it's pretty symmetrical. Well, I'm not, I don't really know much about this, but like the D-dominant scores are, are scaled, no? Right? I mean, they're normalized. 
right? It's like true. They're all what zero is a to left? One. Well, yeah, that's true. But like, what like what is a left policy, right? Like Medicare for all is like is it more left than it was? Like that's what we like. That's what I think. I sure, that's obviously very abstract, yeah. right? Because you have to judge that based on wherever yeah, you I are, mean, if, right? Like, what's your baseline? This right? is a this sidebar, but like, there's like there's a whole like you know, this and stuff on polarization, and they have like some very fancy figures. Um, but I think as far as polarization, I like I do think that like extreme like kind of like QAnon like piece of gay stuff. I like if I were worried about like Facebook, that's where I would be kind of like. That's like what I would be worried because like there clearly is an incentive. So to- can you explain that for people who don't know what you're talking about? Like QAnon, like what, what are you talking well, about? Well, QAnon specifically, but like the classic cases, like kind of like the YouTube radicalization rabbit hole where say, so YouTube is just rec- recommending videos to you. And we have this vague sense that if you were to kind of keep on clicking down the YouTube recommendation rabbit hole, you would find videos that steer you towards a politically radicalized, um, like politically radicalized video. So you could start, you could be looking for like K-pop music videos and end up at like people trying to tell, try, tell you to buy guns because the apocalypse is not, right? So this is like some sort of thing that we think is happening, right? Um, and to me, that's worrying because another way of framing this whole thing is like traditionally in media, we've had gatekeepers, right? Newspapers, magazines, television. And like maybe these gatekeepers are really bad. You know, maybe they're like full of shit. Like, and now we don't have gatekeepers, right? We have like. Well, we do. Well, Facebook is still a gatekeeper. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent right. Yeah. So they have, and we don't think that these gatekeepers are doing their job very well. So in the same way that, like, in the same way that I would be pissed off at Fox News for being biased, I'd also be pissed off at YouTube for kind of like showing people like radicalized content. I mean, that's that's it basically. Yeah, but the but the whole point of what this documentary is trying to say is that Fox News doesn't have all of this like your entire life story in their database to cater it to exactly what would be most you know like likely to persuade you. Yeah, I mean, but this is like there's nothing in the document that particularly convinces me that they're good at it, right? I mean, like their example was like the ex-girlfriend thing. That's why I keep on coming back. To I, this, that, right? I think that you have overblown that example because it was literally just like part of the dramatization. It was just an explanatory yeah, thing. And they yeah. never like, like, I think that the idea that you would even assert that they're not particularly good at it just can't be true. Like, it, I think that's just cool. Yeah, it, I agree. I think it, like, li- like social media has, it is taken, so demonstrably it has true. taken over demonstrably true? the lives of, of a large percentage of the population. Like, yeah. Okay. So for example, Hanyu, you yourself has said to me, look, I feel like I'm too addicted to social oh, media and I'm trying to definitely. get off of it. Doesn't that demonstrate that like you yourself feel like it's working on well, you? Well, I definitely feel I'm 100% addicted. Or I, I mean, I feel like I'm a lot less addicted now. I'm, I definitely was 100% addicted for sure. But that doesn't mean that like I'm being radicalized or, or that like my political well, opinion has changed. I don't, think, I don't think that's what it's saying. It's saying that it's very, yeah. it's, I don't think that addiction to social media always ends in radicalization. I think the point is that social media's only incentive is to keep you on it. And it's changing the way that we think, that we communicate and that we perceive other people. And that in some people that results in like aggressive polarization, but at, at a minimum, it impacts the way that we can function in our world. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, I, I believe basically everything, what you, I like full heartedly believe everything what you said, except for like, oh, maybe therefore polarization. Like maybe, 
but maybe like Facebook has an incentive to like put opposing content on your newsfeed. So like, you know, like if anything, but it doesn't do that, right? Like, have you not seen all of those, like, you know, red feed, blue feed, like, you know, in the Wall Street Journal and like all of, there's so much, I mean, you know, research you know, around that, like, right? I only talk to politics with like my, like, you know, my close friends or, you know, you guys, like Facebook shows me my uncle, you know, like I don't talk to my uncle at all, but like I get more conservative content from Facebook than I do for like my close friends. Yeah, you know? but it's just you. It's, <laughs> yeah, but who knows? I mean, I like, get, who knows, get, right? Like, that's the thing. I get no conservative content from my Facebook and I'm... Yeah, I'm actually friends with conservatives. Like, yeah, I have I have yeah. people in my network from back home that I know, like, are are actively sharing conservative shit, and I don't. Yeah, get yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just think about it this way. So, like, say if you were like, say like you're one of those like human avatar algorithms, right? And you're like, all right, like I'm gonna try to keep Isabella DeAndre on the platform. Like, yeah, I definitely believe that's true. I'm not convinced. Yeah. It's not obvious to me that the way they do that is sharing uh, same partisan news. Right. To me, it's like they probably don't want like I don't want to see maybe I don't want to see political news at all. So they explicitly give me non-political things or maybe they want to show me like more ads. So they show me more ads like, you know, we there's this big soup of things they could possibly do. And it's like not like maybe like it makes sense to me that they would want to show me like uh, same partisan things. But maybe they want to show me cross partisan things. Like, I, who knows? Like people like. No, but I think that demo- like, you know, when you do like, you know, when you run, you know, like tests, right, where you have a completely new Facebook page, right? And then you keep clicking on, you know, like content that you like, right? And just literally like you can just talk to people, right? And see like what are what are they seeing on their Facebooks, right? I do not get, you know, partisan content that's like from the other side and there's a reason. Uh, yeah, right. So algorithmically like you're, you're saying like okay it's possible for us to know no like we can like we're all using it right we can know right yeah but that's that's my other point is that like it's be, like no doubt like that like even for me i just said like i have an uncle but like 95 percent of the stuff i see is is same partisan but that's because 95 percent of my friends are a certain way so here's there's a paper here um which is kind of exactly what we're talking about um and the basic idea is that like it's, it's, it's like the filter bubble stuff that I touched on earlier. Like, the most of the stuff you see on your social network is going to be is going to be same partisan. That's maybe because of algorithms, but that's also, like I said before, because a lot of your social network is the same, um, like partisanship as you. Right. So, like, what's our baseline for like what's like what's like the natural baseline for? like the amount of partisanship I, stuff I see from my friends. I think it's, it's really, really high. I think it's higher than you might expect. Right. But I think, so we, I also think that partisanship is only like, it's a very small, small part of the, the giant scheme of the argument. But I think the idea is that like, for some people, you know, I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense that nobody in this group are regular, like is regularly being proposed, like, Pizzagate or like something analogous to the left, flatter or whatever. Yeah, like I think that, but I think that they were making the argument that the algorithms are smart enough to identify people that would that would be receptive to that to that line of thinking and then feed them shit because it's going to keep them on the platform longer. But it seems like you're saying that you are not convinced that they can actually do that well. Well, no, sorry. So I I wasn't being nuanced. So like to me. And maybe you won't buy this, but there's like there's something distinct between, like for example, like cross cutting partisan content, like oh, like you know, vote for Biden, vote for Trump, whatever. Like that stuff, like to me, that's different and distinct, and it has a different effect than uh, fake news or like 
like like anti-vaccination QAnon piece of case stuff. So like I, I like maybe like like I wouldn't blame you if you think about it. Like to me, I think about them differently. Um, because I just like the way I would think about it is like that stuff is not gonna. You're not really necessarily gonna get that stuff from your friends, right? Like you're not really necessarily gonna get like cute like. Like, I don't think any of my QAnon friends would get, like... Sure, but, like, you know, I think the fireworks example is a good example because I was getting a lot of that stuff from my friends, right? It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be the same thing for every person. But I do think that people do have, like, the space where they are, like, oh, shit, like, why are all these fireworks going on, right? The thing I'm referencing is, like, you know, this... This summer, right, after a lot of the George Floyd protests, there were fireworks going off in cities across America, right? And I still, to this day, don't know why that was happening. And so there was all of these people who were, were, like, you know, talking about how, oh, well, maybe it's, like, you know, the police that are trying to destabilize marginalized communities by putting, like, you know, fireworks in the hands of these kids and blah, 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 blah. And for, right? like, two days on my Facebook and Twitter feeds, like, that is what, that's what I got. And I was consuming that, you know, like, I was yes, me too. content. Yeah, I guess another way of saying is that, like, yeah. like, I... Like I buy all of that. Like I buy like that's an issue, and I buy that's like something you social media is uniquely bad for. To me, that- or good for because maybe it was actually true. I have no idea, right? Like that's the thing is that like the whole crux of this is that like we have this fundamental uncertainty in the truth now, and we don't know. We don't feel like we know what's true. I mean, I would say that like before we just trusted like media institutions to tell us what's true. Right. Yeah, that was bad. Too. Like that was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Right. It's just more decentralized now, for sure. Right. So I guess I'm interested to, to tackle the next big question to me, which is that it seems like we can all agree to some extent that, like, right now, these platforms are not intentionally trying to be trying to serve people truthful content. I mean, can, do we all agree with that that statement that like? Well, OK, I would say I would the, the way I would frame it is. The truth is not, and like what makes the money are not necessarily the same thing in any way. And a lot of times, yeah, and because of the algorithm's incentive to keep you on the on the platform and look at ads, sometimes. In fact, it's the opposite. Sometimes the truth is probably. Yeah, the truth is boring. Yeah, not optimal. Sometimes you'll get sensationalist content, whatever it might be. Right? Do we agree with that idea? Yeah, I, I, hundred percent. Okay, so then my question then becomes because this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. You know, do you do you think that Tristan is right when he says that because, you know, Facebook is now a vector for spreading information about, for example, election ads, right? Do you because Facebook has assumed the role of like a very, very large spreader of political ads, does it then need to be in charge of maintaining the integrity of political ad space? Yeah, definitely. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's what we were t- I'm talking about, right? Like, like I think last year, right, is there was that that was on yeah. the floor of Congress is are they going to have to um, fact check political advertisements, right? And they, they, they ruled no. Yeah, but and the only thing that, you know, I have, I obviously don't like false political ads. My only thing is that something that Mark Zuckerberg said that I think was salient was like, I don't think he, was, he said that I don't think that Facebook should be the arbiter of what's true and what's not true. And, you know, if we if we start if we start going down the road of censoring ads and taking certain ads off that we deem to be false or whatever, the second we get it wrong, we're going to be accused of altering people's perception of, of, of what reality is. And obviously, they're already doing that, but like even more, so, even more so than what than how it's going now. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I ultimately do fall into the camp of, you know, 
these social media like platforms need to try their best and somehow try and be an arbiter of truth in some way, like sniff out fake news and get it off their platform. I am also worried about them being bad at that or them or taking a step further into like the maliciousness of it, just purposely doing it wrong because of their financial incentive. Yeah. I mean, I think that the gray thing in the middle, right? The, I think the compromise is what they've been doing, which is instead of taking it down, somebody can like report it or something and then someone will look into it. And then if they look into it, they can flag it. They don't necessarily have to take it down, but they can say, oh, this has been flagged. And like, here's what our fact checkers have to say about it. You know? Yeah. And you and you're satisfied with that medium. Well, I think that's a good compromise between I agree with you. It's a slippery slope of like actually taking the content down, because I also think that there's an argument to be made that like if that is truly what Trump thinks, even if it's completely fake, people should know that's what he thinks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that's actually like useful political information, even if the facts of of what he's saying itself are not true. And and I guess the only way that you can know that he's saying this thing and that it's not true is if you see the if you see it on whatever platform you're on and, and also see the fact check sticker that's been slapped on it by like by the by the site. Right. Do you think that's a good compromise? I think I I think it's a good compromise, but I you know I'm I'm generally skeptical. I I think that I'm happy with it for now. You know, I it's hard for me to have complex opinions on it because I don't know like it's hard for me to understand the true impact of what like you know, fake political ads are on on the in the social media sphere. Well, even for the stuff that's not uh, political, right? For the stuff that's just like you know the way you were categorizing it, Hanya was like radicalizing, right? If it's stuff like you know conspiracy theory shit, like anti-vaxxer stuff, flat Earth stuff, like yeah. QAnon, whatever, that I think is a lot easier to to identify. Yeah, right? and I think ideologically, ideologically, I definitely agree with you know just suppressing is not a good idea we should be like we should be trying to educate right and so i don't know how effective it is but instead of just like pulling off anti-vaxxer content maybe it is more effective to put a you know put a link to a fact-checking article so that people can understand why this thing isn't true Right. But I guess I guess like the other more fundamental thing is that because we've lived in this media environment where now, you know, no one believes in the truth and there's no such thing as the truth and fake news is such a prominent thing. Is that is that even going to is that potentially even going to have an adverse effect? Right. Are people going to say, oh, this is just what, you know, the whatever X, Y, Z authorities want you to think. So I'm not going to believe it. I mean, conservatives already are saying that. Right. They, so what I'm saying is know, that is that potentially like could that actually have a uh, you know, could that backfire? You might say that like in some cases people talk about like so I say like, oh, this documentary, you can't watch it. That just makes people want to watch it more. Right. Like, you know, that right. the pandemic doc, it's like the Barbara Trust in the fact. Yeah. It's, it was like a, it's like, oh, people are like, yeah. you can't watch this. And of course, it makes people want to watch it more. Right. But maybe is it worth it? Like, I, I, right. I don't know. Like, I have no idea. Like. It's hard. This is a hard. It's a hard question. So if you're saying, "Oh, this is actually a conspiracy theory that has no basis in fact," will that also make people want to believe it more? You know, I don't know. I mean, we live in a particularly bad time for misinformation, right? I mean, like partially because of like, I mean, in large part because of Donald Trump, 
it's like really hard to do, like it's really hard to censor, you know, like the president of the United States without alienation, like a big chunk of like your population. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's like, it's really hard, but like something needs to be done, of course. Right? Something like some, some sort of action needs to be taken. And it's like, I think it's weird to me that the people who are in charge of this are like, you know, 20 guys in Silicon Valley. Right. Yes, that is definitely a problem. But then it's sort of like, I mean, again, we've had we've had we've had like an, a podcast episode about diversity. I don't think that that's probably going to change anytime soon, right? But uh, that that just happens to be who like owns these platforms. Yeah. So is the solution is the solution regulation? Like, is that where? Well, I I don't actually think that the problem is the diversity. I think the problem is literally just that they have no oversight because i mean i think a lot of a lot of the issue is that like you know the the governing body right congress just be i mean i'm sure part of it is an age thing they just don't i just don't see how they could possibly have the tools or the understanding to regulate the you know silicon valley when you know people were literally like you know i don't know if you watched any of the senate hearings with mark zuckerberg but people were literally like how do you make money he's like we sell ads you know it's like People like really don't even understand the fundamental basics of a lot of these social media. Yeah, was, yeah. So how are they supposed to regulate? Like conservative America also feels like you know everyone hates big tech, right? Which is good, but also it's like they hate big tech for like much different reasons, right? Because they think they're censoring diamond and silk or whatever, All right? So like they're censoring silk. What do you say? They're, they're, they're too they're too conservative, like social media presence is oh okay and, like, this is like another i mean this is yeah. like another problem with like social media is that like we just like you know who knows like maybe like maybe they are cons- like censoring diamonds like like there's but even this issue has is a is a becomes a partisan issue um even though it's big tech is so unpopular in the united states right anyways i think that we can end the pod with because i don't think that we talked at least cleanly about what we think the solution to the problem is like i think in the in the in the the documentary they tried to pose or they were posing that the only solution to this issue is that you have to regulate these companies because right now they will only respond to financial incentive you know i i i think i'm generally for regulation of big tech for obvious reasons for the reasons that we talked about in this pod but uh, i'd love to hear about where you guys stand on that I think we definitely have to do regulation, but I really don't feel like I know enough about how it works internally to understand what we need to do to regulate it. You know what I'm saying? I also agree it doesn't seem like a bad idea, but, you know, I also don't know enough, right? I mean, I so the so one of the regulations that that guy recommended was have a tax on how much data they can collect on you so that they're disincentivized from collecting, like, every possible data point about you that doesn't seem like a bad idea to me but i don't know but the thing about taxing is that i think they just have a lot of money you know they have a huge amount of money right like it's hard like at least at the scale that has been proposed like it's not gonna be enough money to like disincentivize them and the nature of or at least in a privacy context like say the data is collected on me it's like oh that we're friends you know and like i liked your photo in a privacy context right so like you know, so, so, okay, so the basic model is like, I, you know, I'm giving Facebook my data. They're making money off of me. How come I can't get some of that money? Oh, right. that's a r- really interesting prospect of like, can you have literal, uh, you know, profit sharing with all of your users? Yeah, but 
it's not a great idea because like so like say like you know like i like we're tagged in a photo you know like i tag like you know do like i get the money for that do you get the money for that right like a lot of problems with like social networks and privacy is like actions that i do impact other people who like weren't maybe not even on the social network in the first place um the idea of like oh just give us money in exchange for the data is like to me a little bit murky um i think it would be better just to stop you know just to stop doing it or like stop just using more, are you just saying just to stop using social media is that yeah or just it, just or no stop taking data or being oh. more transparent about the way you take it so like one idea that's very hot right now is the idea of like contextual privacy so like this is more of a this is more of a privacy thing which is like not what you guys are talking about at all but like, <laughs> like <laughs> okay but like the way you think about it is like so like i go on facebook right and like it's not clear one of the big problems like is that like if i'm a user i don't know what the the exchanges are like i don't know what i'm signing up for right like that's what's really great about this documentary right like facebook doesn't tell you hey the reason why you know you, like we're offering this for free is for x y and z like that's not the case like when you go to like a car mechanic or something right right it's more explicit i mean yeah, yeah i think it w- if you know if there was a regulation that was like Every single thing that Facebook uses your information for, you get a push notification, right? Being like, oh, we just use your data to like, <laughs> you know, yeah, sell I mean, to Equifax. Yeah, possibly. It's, you it's, know? Just, it's just so like murky, yeah. you know, like, like, oh, like, I mean, there's like thousands of things that will collect <laughs> on you, you know, and like it gets p- bundled and packaged into another model and then like into another model you know, and like, but that is it, literally like, any system that needs regulation, right? Like, let's say the 2008 housing crisis, they did also say like, oh, it's just so complicated. You know, we just like, you know, put them all in these securities. It's just, there's no way you'll ever understand what we're well, doing. No. And so that's why we were, you know, like that kind of complexity yeah. and that murkiness is what results in consumers not being. Yeah. So, know, but the push notification would protected. happen like 10 times a second is what I'm saying. Like, do we need do we need to regulate truth too? Like do does does Congress need to make laws about what the algorithm what kind of like you know the algorithms have to promote to promote Probably. quote unquote truth? Like but that's the job. thing is that's so that that's like such a slippery slope. I think at the okay, even if they're not like sending you a push notification like, you know, every ten seconds or whatever, at least like, you know, at the end of the week or the end of the month, here's the report of all the things that we used your data for. Yeah. So like, there's some stuff like like I think if you go on Google or Facebook right now they they'll tell you oh these are like these are the buckets we have you in you know we think you're like right if you seek it out you can find it but like it's not really I, yeah and it's, it's hard like a tip of like tip of like a tip of a tip of a huge iceberg yes exactly so I think I mean yes I think regulation in all of these areas is great but I also think at the end of the day it also to me is actually more of a message to consumers that you just need to be more aware of the fact that there are these kind of insidious forces at play when you're watching your cat videos. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's not, you know? <laughs> it's not, it's not obvious that like Facebook will make it out like of the next decade, right? Like, I mean, there's always, like, like, for example, you know, almost, every, I'm sure like most of the people in this chat, like have deactivated their Facebook to some degree, right? Like, no longer. Are you saying, that, wait, when you say, are you saying like, because of antitrust, are you saying that like, you don't think that Facebook is going to last the next 20 years or whatever because no, of antitrust? Wait, what are you saying? I mean, I'm saying it's not obvious to me that they're like, for sure going to dominate forever. 
I think about this way. Like, so like, well, the- okay, but whenever there's a competitor, they either buy them out or sure. completely yeah, yeah, copy yeah, yeah, yeah. their shit. So, like, that's why, you know, <laughs> people are so, like, pro-antitrust to regulate right. these people on, because like, they can do that, right? They, they, like, they're, there's no, they're, they just shut down all the competition. Right. Here's the way I think, like, here's the way I think about it. So, like, I play Magic. It's a fun game. I get a lot out of it. Sometimes I think it's addicting. I'm like, oh, I should stop. You know, like, if it was Magic was too addicting, I would stop because that's bad, right? And, like, this is like the ideal consumer, which is maybe not realistic, right? Facebook has a similar thing. Like Facebook provides me some value for sure, right? Like many birthdays, for example, right? Or like a message platform, right? It also has like some very clear, or not clear, sorry. It has some very like large negative consequences. Like Facebook, like right now, is like to me, it's serving me a bad product, right? Like there's incentives for it. Like it's possible that like if it's even serving a bad product, like people won't like, won't like it anymore. That's it. I don't think that's going to happen, though. <laughs> I also don't think that most people perceive it as a bad product. Yeah. Well, I mean... There's Especially if you like live in one. Myanmar, and that's literally your entire conception of what the internet is. Yeah, for sure. But there's, like, I mean, there's, doc- like, there's documentaries like this one. You know, like, a lot of my friends, quote-unquote, like, don't use Facebook anymore. Like, the youth don't use Facebook anymore. I don't think right. that in the grand scheme of things, though, because they also control all the other platforms that the youth are on, like Instagram. Right? Yeah, or TikTok. Yeah. So I don't think that just market forces are going to market force them away. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess another way of saying is that there's large incentives for, for Facebook to change. I don't even I think, think that's true. Those, to not well, change. To for, exactly the to, for them to, in fact, do more of what they're doing because that's literally <laughs> their whole business I mean, model. What are you talking about? Well, in 2018, Mark Zuckerberg said that, like, oh, we're going to try to tell you more, like, give you more stuff from your friends and family. As opposed to pages. But the thing is, I do not see more stuff from my friends and family. I almost yeah, exclusively sure. so see maybe, pages. Maybe now. he was just com- maybe he's completely lying. I right? think he like, was. <laughs> but there's, there's there's face there's an incentive for at least Facebook to make it seem like to like to respond to these concerns. I don't think that there is a like as with any company, right? I think that there is almost no incentives. In fact, lots of incentives not to respond to people's concerns. I do oh, not believe I mean, that the free market works. Well, this is not. This, I'm not saying it's not going to work, but like there is surely incentive. Like I just deleted my. I like I don't effectively have. I don't look at my Facebook newsfeed at all. Hanyu, we're not Literally, the ones who face- have the power to do this, though. We're not their clients. It's the advertisers that make the money. It's it's like we're just the products, right? Yeah, but advertisers would, would rather have me on the platform, right? If the case is zero Hanyu or like ten percent Hanyu. Facebook has a clear incentive, right? And I'm not saying it's going to like completely change Facebook, but there is sure. an incentive. Sure. Yeah, but the. But the question, the question, the incentive exists for you, but the question is, what are most people doing? Yeah, I don't know that. that I don't like, think any of us know that. But if, if most, if most people are completely fine with the product or like begrudgingly use, even begrudgingly use the product, then they have no incentive to change. Totally. Right. Totally. I think that, I think that maybe there's, I, I think there's a good chance that society is going to become and is becoming more and more aware of the ways that Facebook is exploiting the average human and will become more and more mad at that but i you know i can't call it as to whether or not that's going to be ever going to be strong enough for facebook to change a business model sure that, that's like i would agree with that but to me like there clearly are incentives right yeah it's just the strength of them yeah i don't i don't actually think i think if you're just you think there's like, zero incentive? <laughs> no I'm, I'm saying that in net the incentive is absolutely to push them where further into what they're doing now because that has what that is what's been making them so much money to date. That's why they're so powerful and rich. Sure. Like short-term, long-term. But like, you know, like Apple has, and like Android have like digital awareness trackers on your phone now. Like 
they didn't have to do that, right? Like, true, true. I mean, I, I, I hope that what you're saying is true, but I think that's probably overly optimistic, which is why we need government regulation as well, basically yeah, no, 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 all regulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? All I'm saying is that there is an incentive, not that like, sure. it's necessarily going to become true, right? Sure, like, sure, sure. And especially in case, like, I mean, there's, I mean, you mentioned like the amount of money they have, they can buy things. There's also social network concerns, mm-hmm. right? Like social networks are uniquely hard to displace. Well, hopefully right? like movies like this is what's going to create that social pressure more to, you know, get them to go in that direction. Cool. So, uh, if you are a longtime consumer of I'm the Villain, then you will recognize Hanyu. Um, this is the second time on the show. I think you were, I think it was literally almost exactly a year ago that you were on the show. Hanyu was on the Suffering episode. Wow. What a milestone. Oh, actually, I actually was thinking about this the other day. <laughs> Brief epilogues. So, like, I've having, been having some back issues, which make it, like, sometimes really, like, really hard to, like, walk, which is horrible. You've been like, suffering? I've been suffering, and I'm, like, actually, like, you know, obviously this is bad, but, like, a little bit, like, you know, now I'm really grateful when I can walk. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh my god! <laughs> and like, I'm much, more, I think I'm much more empathetic towards people who, who like would have a hard time by like, doing that. So like, I think in this case, like, wow. <laughs> that being said, I'm not sure that I would have wished for having back issues, but there is some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think that any suffering from past relationships has is informing the way that you're conducting yourself in this relationship? Maybe. I mean, what? The, I, mean, the question like, is, what? I, was, I mean, as always, is it worth suffering? What do you mean, maybe? No, I mean, the, the, the issue is like obviously you obviously you learn obviously you learn from mistakes. But the question is like not whether you like there's clearly some positive value. The question is like, is it worth like the mountains of suffering? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well look, we don't have to do suffering part two. <laughs> um Hanyu, uh before we get out of here, tell us about how you are staying sane during quarantine. Oh, well, I'm uh, playing lots of uh, One Night Werewolf. Um, I am trying to like walk for like at least a couple of hours every day. More like two hours, like one or two Wow, hours. that's impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and that's like really like, I know my neighborhood very well now. <laughs> like this very confusing and snarled and gnarled, like Somerville, Harvard-ish neighborhood I know by the back of my hand. So that's been a big. Same house. Sorry, yeah, same house. Cool. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug? If I had watched this documentary, I think like there are a lot of people. One thing, another bad thing about this documentary is like, I mean, it's not bad. (laughs) They interview a lot of like Silicon Valley people, which is fine. But there's also a lot of people like the the weapons of mass math destruction person who are like social media academics, and like I think you could argue like, oh, like it's not necessarily the case that like someone who like the like even the engineer who designed the system is best at thinking about the system. So I would encourage you to read like their, like more like academic work. Mm, that's a hot take. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a hot take. <laughs> wait, wait, DeAndre, did you like it overall? Like what, what were your thoughts just from generally? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I, I think that I, I'm happy to buy almost everything that it told me because I don't think there's really negatives that come with not believing it living your live, I don't think there's negatives that come with living your life more off of social media I agree you know like and so at the end when they were like turn off your notifications I was like damn yeah and I went and turned off like 
notifications from like eight of the apps that I get notified. Because every morning I wake up with notifications to to shit that I don't want to know, shit that I find annoying, you know. And then, and I, you know, the next step is turning off notifications to shit that I do want to know and figuring out like, like the guy said in in the in the documentary, like what what apps deliver me information that are that's actually pertinent that I need to know right, right. now, and letting those apps more into my life and like pushing out the other shit. So, you know, I think that it definitely urged me to think more critically about that. And I, and I think that I was, I, it helped me make a more informed opinion about my opinions on the regulation of big tech. Cause I think that before I, I legitimately had no idea. Right. Yeah. And I, I was like, I don't know if this is something that we like, if if we overregulate it, is it bad? Like, I, I, I didn't know. I had a kind of a an opaque idea of what the need was, but now I feel like I have a better understanding of it. And, but I will continue to inform myself through academic means. Um, I do think I do think that Hanyu is like a bit of an over skeptic in the situation, um, but I don't think that skepticism is necessarily bad. <laughs> so, what about you? Oh, what did you say? What about you? How did you feel oh, about it? I was, I, I, I'm very, like, I was already kind of thinking a lot of these things, but I felt like a lot of what the documentary said more articulate, like, more clearly articulated a lot of these worries that I had, but it's really hard, you know, now I just, now uh, don't know if I look at social media less, but now I feel guilty about it. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah, I I think that I don't know I don't know if the documentary was missing this because I don't know if there was time to even get there. I think that there's a way to go about getting people off social media that is more harm reductiony and less like and less like you're killing yourself right now like shamey right because I think that and I you know I think that this documentary wasn't trying to do that. It was trying to like alarm people into understanding the situation. So I, I respect that what it was doing. I do think that there are more effective ways to get people to stop using social media. Well, I definitely think that it makes me more likely to care about regulation in this area. Absolutely. You know, hundred percent, which I think is actually 100%. more useful than like, you know, changing yeah. my personal habits. Yeah. I, I think that, and you know, I, I'm, I came into this documentary with a pretty good idea and and belief in the idea that yeah i know i'm being controlled in a way like i know i'm being fed shit um so maybe i you know i'm i'm interested in learning how this documentary would maybe affect someone that didn't have an idea of that um cool well uh check us out at i'm the villain pod <laughs> that's our gmail our instagram our twitter uh big thanks to hanyu for sitting with us again. Um, Hanyu, I miss you. Hanyu moved away from DC, everyone. Um, and we're hoping that he will come back like Isabel did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, bye.